Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Stephen Emery. Dr. Emery is an associate professor, Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences. He's also director of the Center for Innovative Fetal Intervention at McGee Women's Hospital of UPMC. Dr. Emery, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you have had some recent successes in terms of fetal shunts. Perhaps you can describe your work a little bit and tell us about the outcomes. The disease we're trying to address is fetal aqueductal stenosis. So the aqueduct of Sylvius that connects the third ventricle to the fourth ventricle in the central nervous system is obstructed. It's too narrow. And so cerebral spinal fluid is created and it's got nowhere to go. So it accumulates inside the ventricles, causing pressure on the developing brain, injuring the brain and resulting in permanent neurologic disability. Our objective is to bypass the obstruction by placing a small shunt. It's about four centimeters long and only a couple millimeters wide. Pass that percutaneously by ultrasound guidance through the maternal abdomen into the fetal brain. So the the shunt goes from the ventricular system to the amniotic cavity, a ventriculoamniotic shunt. The goal will be to decompress the central nervous system and allow the brain to develop normally. We've developed a model where we generate hydrocephalus at approximately 85 days gestation, and then we place the shunt at approximately two weeks afterwards. And then we've worked with the Department of Neuropathology to identify mechanisms of injury that we can evaluate the brains for to see if Shunted brains have better preserved neuroanatomy than unshunted brains. In terms of this particular therapy, post-delivery, is it more necessary? Yes, the in utero treatment is just a temporizing maneuver. The intent is to prevent the brain from being injured during the pregnancy. Because that's the problem now is the brains get so distorted from the intracerebral pressure that these kids have lifetime neurologic disabilities, uh, epilepsy, blindness, cerebral palsy, deafness, etc. And many of them require around-the-clock care because it's just a, a devastating disease. But if we can prevent that from happening in the fetal environment, once they're delivered, then they can undergo the normal surgical management for hydrocephalus, which is a ventriculoperitoneal shunt. Dr. Emery, you've had some recent clinical successes with other cases. Can you describe that work, please? The field of fetal medicine is we're always moving toward minimally invasive approaches because we acknowledge that the fetus resides within the mother, and you can't access the fetus without going through the mother. So care of the mother is always paramount. And so the minimally invasive we can be, the better it is for her, assuming that we can accomplish our objective for the fetus. One case, an example, is a placental chorioangioma. And a chorioangioma is a tumor of the placenta. It's a, it's a hamartoma, so it's comprised of cells that belong in the placenta, but they're very disorganized. It's basically just a ball of capillaries. And 
it works as a shunt. So the fetus pumps blood through the umbilical arteries that travels down to the placenta, but instead of traveling through the placenta and back up to the fetus after oxygenation and getting rid of metabolites, a certain portion of that blood goes into the tumor because it's a high-flow, low-resistance vascular circuit. So fluids follow the path of least resistance, and the blood will flow into the tumor as opposed to into the placenta. And eventually, as the tumor grows, because it's being preferentially supplied at the expense of the fetus, the tumor eventually wins. So the fetus can't keep up, goes into heart failure, and dies. So there have been attempts at separating the tumor from the circulation, going from open cases where you can imagine the morbidity of opening the maternal abdomen, opening the uterus, taking the tumor out, and then putting everything back together, hoping she stays pregnant. A lot of risks associated with that. And then there are other approaches, laparoscopic approaches, photocoagulation approaches that deal with thermal energy, which is poorly contained and controlled within the uterus. And so we were looking for a different approach, and we came on microcoil embolization, which is what we use in non-pregnant women who have tumors that are in difficult places to reach anatomically. And so the idea was to just pass a very thin needle into the feeding vessel of the tumor and then pass a couple coils into that blood vessel and stop the blood circulation to the tumor. And that's what we did, and we had a very good outcome. Dr. Emery, what is the percentage of cases that are affected with these types of issues? Approximately 3% of all pregnancies have some type of structural or functional anomaly. So cleft lip, diaphragmatic hernia, spina bifida, etc., of that group, approximately 5% have a condition that's amenable to in utero intervention. So it's a very small segment of a small segment of the population, of pregnant women, which is another small set of the population. So these are rare tumors. And that's important to note because no one center has enough volume to really be able to study these conditions with rigor. And so the fetal therapy community acknowledges that, and we've decided to collaborate in research. We are members of the North American Fetal Therapy Network, and that's a consortium of 35 fetal therapy centers in the United States and Canada, and we all collaborate on clinical research. So if one center sees two or three cases a year of these rare conditions, it's not really enough to move the ball down the field. But if you have 35 centers that have two or three cases a year, now you're really able to start studying these cases and hopefully getting better outcomes. And it sounds like you are getting better outcomes. Yes, we are. Dr. Emery, what's the future hold in terms of these types of cases? Oh, the future is very exciting for fetal therapy. We are able now to make accurate diagnoses, not in the newborn period, but in the embryonic period. And that gives us opportunity to intervene in utero to potentially cure these diseases before the baby is even born. I mentioned earlier about in utero intervention going from open surgery to fetoscopic. One example of that is spina bifida repair. Originally, that was done as open fetal surgery, but there's a move toward doing that fetoscopically, which has major benefits toward the mother. But also we're moving into the arena of gene therapy, 
where conditions can be diagnosed in the first trimester and then gene therapy can be applied that can potentially avoid the disease in that individual. And that's, that's very exciting. And that's, that's just around the corner. So truly that is exciting. And what time frame are we talking about availability of these types of therapies? Probably five years. That's a short time in terms of types of issues one faces bringing new medical technologies to the forefront. And it all comes down to support, financial support for research so that we can fully evaluate these conditions and find better ways to treat them. It's all done through science. So Dr. Emery, thank you for joining us today and sharing with us your pioneering research and your clinical implementation of these therapies. Best wishes for continued success. We welcome our listeners to offer suggestions in terms of the podcast topics. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening.